Hello, and welcome to episode 133 of The Winning Agenda. My name's Jesse Marshall, and joining me tonight, as always, is my lovable byride sidekick and or overlord, Wilfred E. Harig. How are you, Wilfie? Sorry, you forgot to mention that you are not just Jesse Marshall, but fan favourite Jesse Marshall. <laughs> Do you want to explain the context of that comment? Uh, yeah, so the NR Hall of NRPC Hall of Fame was released as of this writing, you know, today or yesterday or whatever, and you were both inducted and nominated, Jesse. Uh, that that makes sense, right? Yeah, in the reverse order. No? Yes, the reverse order. But that's okay. Um, yeah, it was very exciting. Thank you to all of our wonderful listeners who may or may not have voted, because apparently uh, I was not uh, a favourite of the Illuminati, but I was a slash voting committee, but I was a favourite of the fans, so... Uh, I assume that that involves one or two of our listeners, so thank you all for anyone who jumped on and voted. The way it worked is that the public got a vote, but also there were people who were selected to get a vote as well, including yours truly. Um, And the public overwhelmingly supported you, and the selection committee, well, will fill in the gaps to say overwhelmingly didn't support you. Or, or perhaps supported other deserving people. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. There's really no way of knowing. No. Uh, it was definitely a tough choice. So, um, yeah, thanks everyone who did. And, uh, you know, who knows what will come of that, but it's certainly nice to have my name on a list of really great people um, who also were inducted. Yeah. Uh, moving on from that, uh, slightly embarrassing, um, but also exciting Side note, we're here today to talk business, specifically free Mars business, and this is not a one in six Mars bar promotion uh, to win a free bar. It is, in fact, a pack of Netrunner cards. Wilfie? I literally thought that at the same time that you did. I'm like, is the description for this episode going to contain, like, free Mars with the purchase of two two or more Marses? Yes. Um, or it may just be, like, one of those early 2000s one in six free Mars bar promotions but uh that remains to be seen although for our listeners who are listening to this episode you will have already seen it so i apologize in in uh, retrospect for having done that um the first card in the pack is mars for martians now should we make more mars bar jokes about this one uh you go first and i'll follow your lead sure uh so mars for martians uh, they don't look too overweight so they obviously uh have their mars in moderation it's a zero-to-play Anarch event priority, one influence. Play only as your first click. Draw one card for every installed clan resource. Gain one for each tag you have. Uh, now, before we get on to the actual effects, uh, the flavor of it, how do you think the... How, how well do you think this card represents them acquiring Mars Bars? Um, well, I suppose in that context, the tags are coupons... And yes. you redeem the coupons for, I mean, basically credits they use to buy Mars bars, right? Yeah, or, or perhaps since credits and cards are the resources in, in this game, y- you're getting both of them. So Mars wow. bars are pretty all-round great and nutritious and delicious. That's great. Um, I think it represents it pretty well. And, and as a, in terms of power level, what do you think of this card? Um, so the first thing I thought when I read this card is to scour... Uh, Netrunner DV for the list of clan resources and there are some that you definitely could put in your deck but I think the main benefit to this card is the second part mm-hmm. the gain one for every tag you have the first part is 
sort of mostly not so relevant. Just a bit um, of gravy. Yeah, exactly. But in terms of that second part, it gives you gives the orange account siphon decks another way to recover from having to go low to get into servers or like having to go low to land your siphons and just because there's not really any incentive or any way really for you to remove your tags once you get to a certain point where you're perma-tagged it doesn't like neither an incentive nor a drawback to take more tags after that point mostly because psychographics I haven't seen one of those for a fair while this Mm -hmm. card allows you to turn that into a benefit which is pretty powerful in theory the fact that it's turned something which used to be neutral into something which can be quite a significant advantage and in that sense I think it's quite strong the only thing is that it's a bit situational just because it's you those decks really rely on landing their first siphon so you want your economy cards to sort of set that up in terms of getting rid of Christian grids um, being able to deal with ice or ignore ice etc or just letting you draw and mm. play the pieces that you need mm. but this is sort of a late game card that allows you to end the game once you've gotten that um, en- engine flowing so once if you look at it in that context it seems much better than if you try and look at it as a regular economy card and evaluate it that way. Yeah, so this is really similar to mass commercialization in that way because you're turning a resource that you're acquiring. I mean, in this sense, it's just a a game um, counter as opposed to the resource that um, advancement counters are, I guess, for positive resource that they are for whale index. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Um, It's similar to that because it's a late game economy event that is not good early, which is really different to most playable economy events from the past because we've sort of seen them as something that you need to get yourself going. But if the late game economy event is powerful enough, then it fulfills a slightly different role in your deck. And if it does that in the way that this does, then it's certainly worth including because as you say, you you can come to a point with sort of siphon decks where you, you just drop off. Like you've spent most of the money that you've got from your siphons. You still haven't managed to find the seven points. Um, and sometimes perhaps your um, runs are becoming more expensive and you can't make them as often um, if the game hasn't gone according to plan and you, you know, the corp has managed to res a bit of ice and keep it on the table. Um, and this just allows you to, for zero credits, possibly gain 10, 12, even more if you've had a Joshua B going every turn, plus siphons. Yeah, exactly. I think... We should also mention that it works basically perfectly with counter-surveillance in the sense that with this and counter-surveillance le- lets you see as many cards as you have tags and all you need to spend is the credits to get into the server anyway. So that's something that we've already seen at least rising in popularity. It's um, a pretty great two-card combo. Yeah, because it's just such an easy win condition for those kinds of kinds of decks. It reminds me a lot of Faust Obelis um, about... A year or so ago. Yeah, and Obelisk, another card that works well with this strategy. Uh, but we, we should say as well, just for those who don't remember, Counter Surveillance is a one-cost clan resource 
that you can trash and spend a click to make a run. And if successful, instead of accessing, you pay X credits to access X cards from the server if able, and X is the number of tags you have. So if you do have that huge number of tags, you conveniently get exactly that number of credits from uh, uh, this card, what's it called? Free Mar uh, Mars for Martians. And then you can spend that on your, clan, on, on your counter surveillance, rather. Exactly. Um, getting heaps of accesses. So yeah, cool little two-card combo which also works really well with the next card, which I think we could probably move on to now. Yes. God of War, which is a four-cost icebreaker AI virus. Zero strength, one memory. Already sort of feeling pretty good. It's got a, a great name, and it's an Anarch AI icebreaker, which tend to have been pretty good in the past, except the ones with Mighty Whale Feet. Uh, when your turn begins, you may take one tag to place two virus counters on God of War, you can spend a hosted virus counter to break an ice subroutine, and you can pay two credits to give it plus one strength. So for each tag you take, you get two virus counters, which equals two subroutines broken. That already, to me, seems like a pretty great trade. Um, if you're a deck that is wanting to take tags, like Mars for Martians, and uh, is encouraging you to do, like Obelisk encourages you to do, like Counter Surveillance encourages you to do, and like things like uh, Jarognev Mercs protect you when you do, there's certainly a shell that this card is fitting into there. And the resource trade of taking one tag to place two virus counters that, unlike Mamon, don't go away, allows you to sort of build up, over time, an icebreaker that is really, really powerful. Thoughts on that, Wolfie? Yeah, so I sort of see this card as having two main com and, and complementary purposes. The first is that it lets you t it gives you a tag at the start of your turn, which is something that we haven't seen very much. Like the Joshua B is the only other card I can think of that does something playable and gives you a tag, but does it at the end of your turn? Like, yeah. gives you a tag by itself. I know you can do the John Masanori security nexus thing, but God of War is much more compact. Mm -hmm. And the other complementary thing that it does is it lets you get into servers if taking tags isn't too much of a cost to you like mm. the drawback is i suppose that it's fairly inefficient to do so so i think you'd mostly want to play it if the first part was the your main purpose and it was sort of an insurance plan for your opponent trying to score out of a remote because we know that eta decks often in the past have had trouble getting into remotes if your opponent just starts to score from turn two or turn three yeah so if you think of this as a, a fairly expensive way to get into a remote but like one that you can use if you really need to it looks better than as your primary breaker i think it also uh, could potentially work with the sort of citadel sanctuary sunny decks uh, where you can build up a lot of drip economy things like underworld contacts and then have this as your breaker and if you're just taking a tag sort of in the early game when you may not need to be running, adding counters to this, I know they can purge at some point, but you know, then you use them if it gets up to sort of six or so and you're removing the tag every turn, there may be a possibility of using that sort of setup to do this without the tag me aspect. Mm, the that like an AI breaker I think would help in that scenario, but the problem I see here is two credits to pump and starting mm. with zero is so far behind any yeah. regular breaker 
that yeah. it becomes soon becomes cost prohibitive to use it over just like three regular breakers. Sure, you might as well just use Sunny's entire breaker suite at that point. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I think then looking at this, it does obviously fit well into a deck that firstly wants to use the tags, but then obviously Data Sucker is a, a good pair for this as well. Um, do you think it could see play in an Anarch deck that maybe doesn't want to care too much about the tags, but perhaps is not a full tag me deck as long as it's got something like Data Sucker to support it? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's still an AI breaker, so there is a lot of power inherent in having this card be the only breaker you need to get into a remote. Um, mm. If you can work around its drawbacks, it is quite powerful, like most other AI breakers are, I think. Cool. Uh, so certainly two power-packed uh, Anarch cards there to start off the pack. Uh, the next card is the first criminal card. It's called Leave No Trace. It's a two-cost event run, three influence. It says, make a run. When the run ends, de-res all ice that was resed during this run. This one, to me, Wilfie, seems like a miss. Yours? Your thoughts? Yes, it's sort of like a run amok, which is a Anarch card that trashes an ice that was resed during a run um, that has seen basically no play, I think, up until now, or Continue, yeah, I mean, when it was released, it was sort of like a maybe this could be an inside job of sorts for Anarchs, and, and certainly it, it did play that role and surprise a few people, but in a faction that's already got inside job, and when the card doesn't trash the ice in the same way that Runamark does, it just derezzes it. I'm, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I can't really see the situations in which this is better than inside job. Like, even if they have two ice that are unrest and you need to be able to get in you can't even use this card to do so so yeah just a, yeah a miss from me as well i think all right the next card in the pack is rip deal or rip deal uh it's actually just rip deal uh, it's a run event criminal one influence Make a run on HQ. If successful, when you would access any number of cards from HQ, you may instead add that many cards from your heap to your grip. Remove Rip Deal from the game instead of trashing it. So this is sort of recursion for Crims that requires you to get into HQ, and you can only recur the number of cards that you would have accessed from HQ. Good with interfaces, not usable with legwork, good with nerve agent, still for a three-to-play event. Does, do crims need recursion that desperately? Well, I would say if you could build a criminal deck that needs recursion, like, desperately, then there actually is a good criminal identity that gives you recursion, right? And it does yep. so at a much more efficient rate than this card does. Yeah. So I think the... And we're talking only, about Steve Cambridge Steve there. Cambridge, yeah. The I think the only yep. saving grace for this card is that it is, like, I know criminals are not meant to have recur good recursion, so having anything is still, like, could be playable, right? And so I think the only saving grace for this card is that it is a way to recur an extra, a breaker if somehow it's been destroyed, which used to be a huge deal for criminal decks. Now that you have multiple good breakers, both in faction and out of faction, not so much. Mm. But, and especially now also that, if your breaker is getting killed, it's more than likely also getting removed from the game. Mm -hmm. 
that's not as important I think but you know two or three years ago like this would have been definitely a card to be worth to this would have two or three years ago this would have definitely been a card worth considering for that fact alone Mm. even if it is like very inefficient in what it does but I think now the game has just moved too far past the point where cards like this that are good in a narrow situation um, but do what they do fairly inefficiently those two factors together make this card fairly not great yeah I think it's also worth noting with both this and Leave No Trace that run events are lower power the bigger the card pool gets because you're foregoing more effects to have them on your run um, as in, the more you could choose to attach to your run, the more opportunity there costs opportunity cost there is to choose any particular one. So, when we see the power level effectively decreasing on them, on cards that are being printed now compared to cards printed in the past, it sort of really makes me scratch my head and think, why would you play this? Yep, that makes sense. The fact that run events don't stack with other copies of run events definitely makes the more marginal ones seem harder and harder to fit into your deck Mm -hmm. the next card in the pack is flashbang a five cost one sorry five cost zero strength one memory three influence criminal uh, program an icebreaker killer it says six credits derez a sentry currently being encountered and one credit plus one strength so you pump up to meet the strength of the sentry, and then you have to pay six to derez it. You can't break it; you can only derez it. Um, interestingly, if they choose to, can they res it again? No, they can't. No, because you're past James. the res window. Yeah, the Maxwell James rule. Yep. So it functionally breaks the ice, I suppose, um, but does more than that. But it can't do less than that. So you can't regularly break. You have to be paying this premium every time unless you're playing it alongside a normal killer. I don't necessarily mind this card. Uh, Six is a lot, but the tempo loss to Corpse of having Ice Derezzed is quite significant. I don't know, maybe the numbers just aren't quite there, but I, I certainly like the concept. To me, it seems like a golden that you have to use every time. So it's a bit more efficient, like a fair bit more efficient than golden, like Without Khan, it's probably three or four credits, maybe about three-ish credits more efficient than using Golden on every sentry you encounter. Mm -hmm. Maybe a bit more value depends, but the drawback there is that you have to use it. And I think Golden is already marginal enough that Golden, where you have to use it on the ice you can't just use it normally as a pretty high bar. Um, like, that's pretty difficult, I think, to justify playing that sort of card, especially, as you say, if you're going to ha- also pair it with something like Mongoose, then it's sort of like, what's the point of including this card in your deck at all? Yep. And... Especially since criminals already have Mongoose and Femme, which are two of the better sentry breakers. And Femme is, does this, a similar job of dealing with big ice mm. pretty well. And yeah. it can also deal with non-sentry ice. This card just seems a bit too inefficient 
even in the D-Res deck that we seem to talk about every two. Yep. Makes sense. Although, mm-hmm. I will say that presumably there will be a code gate and a barrier version of this coming out, maybe? and Possibly. I don't... Like, I think the ability is fairly strong. It's just the sentry thing, mainly. Like, the fact that Criminal already has a, has very good sentry breakers. So, maybe if the barrier version of this is Criminal and is similarly powered, I could see that one being a bit better, but we'll leave that for the future state. Cool. Next card is a two-cost Shaper run event. It's called Lean and Mean. It's one influence. It says, make a run. If you have three or fewer programs installed, all icebreakers have plus two strength during this run. Uh, I, again, with the, the run event sort of caveat that we put on the first two that we discussed in this pack, this one has me scratching my head even more because as far as Shaper run events go, this is just nowhere near the Maker's Eye indexing deep data mining, anything like that. Your thoughts, Wolfie? Yeah, it basically just saves you some... Most of the time, it's going to save you some credits when you make a run. It's sort of like a big version of Injection Attack, which is a card that I thought actually could have been okay when it came out. It does a a similar sort of thing that Dean Lister does now in that you can use it on a Faust, basically, or any other AI to get into a big server without having to pay basically the AI inefficiency cost each time you want to break something. Yeah. But this, but Dean Lister does it in a much better way because you can use it mid-run rather than having to decide when you make the run. Mm. And this just seems like a worse injection attack if you think that injection attack is only going to be good in when you're using it with AI breakers anyway. Yep, that makes sense. And, I mean, does the fact that Shapers, once R&D interface rotates very shortly, will be relying on events for most of their multi-access on R&D, doesn't that worry you as well? Yeah. Um, although I sort of assumed that if you were going to play a card like this, the main reason would be to get into the remotes. But right. it's sort of like... I'm skeptical about using it in any context. So. Yeah, and I guess most um, Shaper decks that are using AI breakers are probably trying to do some sort of combo shenanigans anyway. So like maybe there'll be a place for it there, but as you say, being being forced to commit to a particular run before you even know what the ice are, or perhaps you do know what the ice are at that stage in the game. But then I think, yeah, the opportunity cost of this compared to other run events probably makes it not worth it, but there may be a situation in those sorts of combo decks where it is. Uh, Maven is the next card in the pack. It's a five cost, two memory, zero strength, AI icebreaker, another shaper card, three influence. Maven has plus one strength for each installed program. It says two credits break ice subroutine. So this sort of, uh, again, we seem to, along with God of War, have either breaking or pumping costing two credits, which is worse on both of these AIs than regular breakers tend to be, which is sort of a one to pump, one to break is sort of the baseline. And then sometimes you get slightly better, slightly worse on those. Um, But for two to break every ice subroutine, it does add up pretty quickly. I mean, there are less generally subroutines than there are strengths on ice on the board. So in that sense, this is probably more efficient than God of War because you're going to have to be spending two less often than you would with God of War. However, 
Um, there are probably more ways to reduce the strength of ice on the board, like Data Sucker, than there are other ways to break ice subroutine, which is the primary reason that you'd play an icebreaker. Um, this also doesn't have the capacity to increase the thing that you can't spend credits on in the same way that God of War does. So God of War can build up virus counters. Yes, you can only have a maximum of two each turn. Um, this is similarly limited, I guess, but maybe more, maybe less limited than, than God of War in that you need to have lots of other installed programs. Um, and I guess the problem for this one is that strength... Um, is something that you need in order to be able to interact with the ice at all. Whereas uh, breaking subroutines, you can sort of generally guess that each ice is going to be sort of between one and three, maybe four, uh, before it's rezzed. Whereas strength can range anywhere from zero up to seven, eight, nine. Um, so for that reason, I think Maven is really interesting and there are certainly some shaper decks that are, going to go, that are going to be able to go quite deep on having lots of other programs installed that do other things, perhaps things like cloaks and maybe host them, maybe have mem chips, maybe have other ways to, to cheat around your memory limit. At that point, you have to ask yourself, what are you gaining from playing an AI breaker? Generally, the um, benefit of which tends to be that you install less other programs. So for me, that's aside from the numbers, that's probably the central question that pops into my head with this, which is why am I playing a card that's supposed to make my deck more efficient and then requiring myself to play more cards of the card type that that type of breaker would normally mean that I don't need to play and therefore will have space for other things in my deck. Wolfie? Yeah, I think that's the criti that second point part especially is the critical point on this card that it doesn't and i think i'm fairly sure we've said this or something like this before it's been a a, a while that we've been running the show um but the fact that it's a bit strange that you need to have programs which usually break ice or help you with breaking ice in some fashion to make this good and then what this card does is break ice in some fashion seems a bit strange like if it was another type like resources or hardware that where those cards usually do something else then this would be a bit more synergistic but mm. for this card to be good you really need to have a game plan that's built around playing a lot of programs for some reason and then you can fairly realistically rely on having a lot of programs in play already and then use this as a um one size fits all breaker which is fairly hard to get to because as you said the strengths of ice are so variable but there are ways to get around that with support programs so i don't think that's necessarily a uh, too bad i will say that I think this works especially well with Degdeer because that's a program that acts in a way that programs usually don't. So if you can think of other cards like that and have that those cards by themselves build a good strategy, then you could play Maven. And in that sort of deck, I think Maven would be a reasonable replacement for just three regular breakers. But that's already drawing a fairly long bow I think to try and find a way for this card to be good rather than having a 
normal strategy that would want this kind of card already. Hmm. That's fair. I mean, maybe cloaks and deg deers and um, egrets. Oh, egret does nothing with this. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, other, other things like that um, are the way that you want to be going to try and get other value, perhaps even economy out of your programs that you're installing, maybe even data sucker. Um, yeah, yeah there, exactly. There could but be something at, there. At that point, you're kind of, I think, putting in a lot of resources to make this card just sort of like a regular breaker in itself. Yeah, I mean, if you compare it to Atman, if you're using data sucker for support and perhaps cloak, then it's sort of a similar drain in terms of the number of cards, like similar tempo drain, and pretty much a similar install cost. Um, if you're installing your Atman for four or four and zero, for example, instead you just get to have one Maven. Um, and instead of that, Atman one to break ability, you're paying two to break each subroutine, so you're losing out a bit there. But if you've got cloaks supporting it, if you've got data suckers there, like maybe you can do it. Um, maybe it's possible for them to lock you out, though by that point, I think, particularly if you've got Degdia, if you've got this up to a point where even if your data suckers get purged, it's got five or six base strength, that's going to get you through most ice. Yeah, that's definitely a way you could go. Like, I think this card is fairly strong in by the numbers it's just trying to find a strategy that doesn't sacrifice too much to make it good Mm. yeah it'd be an interesting one to brew around for sure the next card i'm actually quite liking this one uh it's called i think nanotech is how it's supposed to be pronounced um it's a four cost one strength one memory one influence breaker killer during each run, Nanotech has plus one strength for each piece of ice protecting the attacked server. It's got plus three credits for plus two strength and one credit to break a sentry subroutine. Now, this is, I, I think, one of the first times that we've seen a, a regular shaper breaker, if you like, that just breaks one of the base types of ice that has one of these more awkward pump ratios, like three credits for plus two strength. And I quite like it. Um, like... Shaper killers have not been amazing in the past. And this one um, is going to be a base strength of two because there's going to be at least one piece of ice if you're going to be breaking this entry. And if you compare it to Mimic, like it's basically an infactured Mimic that also has this pump ability because most most servers that have a sentry are going to have another piece of ice as well. So it's generally going to be four to install for a one memory strength three killer that can use one credit to break a sentry subroutine. And then you've also got the ability to pump the strength. So I think this is actually extraordinarily high power for killers. Yeah, I think so too. The comparison to Mimic is apt. Like to me, it's basically a pumpable Mimic because, you know, it starts with two, but it can grow to three, four, or five naturally by itself, but you only pay one more than Mimic for that privilege of being pumpable, which is pretty strong, I think. Yeah, I think it's a really, really awesome card, and I'm looking forward to trying it out in my shape of Me decks. too. Uh, the last card in the pack is Blue Moose. It's a unique resource, location CD, four to install, no influence. When your turn begins, you may remove one card in the heap from the game. If you do, gain two credits. 
This is a, an extraordinarily powerful economy resource, um, the likes of which I don't think we've seen, you know, in terms of passive economy for a very, very long time. And considering that, if ever, considering that um, cards in the heap for many runner decks are basically a spent resource that you're never going to recover anyway, being able to turn them into two credits at a rate of one card for two credits is extraordinarily efficient when you're not having to invest anything else other than the four up front. Uh, have you tried Blue Moose out at all, Wilfie? Yeah, I have. I've been playing with it a little bit, and I think it would be a strange runner deck to not play copies of it. Like, yeah. they do exist, but this card's just so efficient that I think your starting position should be to put it in your runner decks. Like, compared to daily casts, it costs one more, it never runs out, functionally yep like it's fairly rare for it to run out um even from turn one or two you know yes yeah and i mean it does have a drawback in that it's um unique so you can't have multiple multiples paying out at once which is reasonable but if you play it like early in the game turn one through four i think it's like having three copies of daily cast stapled together in in slower slower decks yep absolutely uh, considering the length of most games of Netrunner at the moment, you know, they're not sort of over in three, four, five turns most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's very much like at least one daily cast and most of the time, two or three. Um, for yeah. only one card and only one click and only one more credit than a daily cast. Yeah, so some pretty powerful cards overall. I mean, any pack that has two AI breakers one of the best runner um, economy resources that we've seen for a really, really long time is going to be a good card, uh, a good pack rather. Um, but it's also got a really great shape of century breaker and a, a pretty good Anarch economy event at the top of the pack. So I'm excited to try this one out. Mm-hmm. Me too. Awesome. Well, uh, until next week when we will be reviewing the corpse side of the pack, which also includes some equally exciting cards. That's all from us. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook at The Winning Agenda. You can send us an email at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can tweet us at Winning Agenda. Or you, if you want to jump onto Patreon, you can send a few dollars our way at www.patreon.com slash thewinningagenda. Thanks as always to all of our Patreon supporters. We appreciate your ongoing support and the little community that we've got, got going on in The Winning Agenda Patreon supporters Facebook group. Uh, Until next week, thanks for listening. Thanks, see you next week.